You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time, God had told him. Abraham named his son, who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have born a son for him in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking the one Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham. So she said to Abraham, Drive out this slave with her son, for the son of the slave will not be co-heir with my son Isaac. This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. And I will also make a nation of the slave's son, because he is your offspring." Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance, about a bow shot away, for she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy, and grasp grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and saw well. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew. He settled in, in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, Matt. Um, just to echo what Matt was saying about 1012, um, for those of you who might be newer, uh, as much as we do outreach and tangible expressions of, of serving our own community, we also want to be part of the larger city and partner together with those who are doing excellent work, and 1012 is one of the best organizations this city. So if you would like to get involved more, again, talk to Matt, talk to me, talk to anyone who seems like they would know what to tell you. We would love to get you involved, men and women, together. Um, just before, a couple of uh, quick things here, just a reminders. One, uh, if you are involved with Pathways Equip, if you did not get the very early morning email today, we are not going to be meeting today after service, so please uh, keep that in mind. If that does not apply to you, forget that. Uh, but as Van Kim also mentioned, uh, we have a moment of celebration that uh, Sarah and Pastor Julius Day welcomed in baby Trey. Uh, on April 1st, and you can do, do with that what you will. We'll call it an April blessing, uh, but tremendous. Everyone's doing well. Um, we want to encourage you guys to be praying for them, obviously, but find ways that you can also bless them if you're able to, uh, but just tremendous time. And on that note, um, I'm thinking, you know, we've got all family in here today, all church, and um, just for you to know, I love the sound of children. 
That's just me. I might be weird. I love the sound of children. Um, if you're a parent, though, I'm going to guess for you, you get a little bit more flustered with that. If you've got a little one, then they squirmy and they... If you need to do whatever you need to to stand up, walk around, you can go downstairs. But please feel like uh, we don't view children as a distraction in our church. It is a wonderful reminder of life, as Van Kim so eloquently said there. So I love every chance to get to do that. But we know that it can feel a little inconvenient, especially for the parents. But just wanted to uh, let you guys know we, we love seeing the children here together. Um, on that note, I purposely, I'm not trying to do an hour and a half sermon today because we know we got little ones in here. So if some of you parents, you get, I know you're thinking through that, man, I hope today's not a long one because I don't know how long this little dude's going to think. We're, we're, we'll work together on this. But we're continuing the series looking at the life of this man, Abraham, from the scriptures and in many ways the father of faith. And we've been looking through starting from Genesis, end of chapter 11 and coming on 21 today, but really a journey of faith. And when we look at the life of Abraham, we realize it's for his benefit and for his immediate family, but there's so much more involved that this journey of Abraham's faith has repercussions for history's sake. And I would say we're included in that as well, that God did some amazing things in this man's life, and we are the recipients of that. And that's why sometimes, and maybe some of you even grew up in churches where you sang songs about Father Abraham, and you're like, why is he called my papa? I don't get it. Like, he was the forerunner of the, the legacy of faith that we get to receive. So he's being prepared in many ways when we look at his journey for God's call upon his life. But having said that, as God is preparing him, we see a lot of real high points, but also some low points. We're like, yo, if this dude is supposed to be the father of faith, we picked a real weirdo. Because like last week, if you were here, we looked at some dark moments in our bro Abraham's life, right? He did not stand up too strongly under a tough situation. But as we look today, even with the highs and lows, we see today some real high stuff. And, and part of why I want to say that is encourage you, if you're going through the journey and you're seeing highs and lows in your life, welcome to what it means to be a follower of Christ. That that's what it involves, but we don't lose hope. We keep persevering because even as we saw someone like Abraham, God used him and he will also work in us. So today, we're going to look at some tremendous blessings. In many ways, the fulfillment of what we've been looking at these past couple of months of God's promises, particularly on this idea of a, a child through which the blessings would come. But I'm just prepping you right now. We're also going to see that with the blessings come some challenges, come some even conflicts. And for us, I'm just prepping you right now, this idea that just because we're blessed doesn't mean that life automatically gets easy or simple or even always good. And I feel like I got to say that because some of you might have been bamboozled, right? Someone might say, you need to follow Jesus because he's just going to make everything epic all the time. And you're like, all right, I'm following the wrong Jesus then because life is kind of hard. Maybe that's just part of God's process. So on that thought, let me pray for us as we enter this time. Lord, I thank you for these men and women here. And I think for the young men and women here. And I thank you for even the, the little guys and the little girls. And that you're working in all of our lives on so many times in ways we're not even aware of. You're at work. And I pray that maybe through this whole series, through this man Abraham's life, one lesson we're getting is that you're at work even when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we thank you for that, God that it points us to the good news of Jesus. So as we look at this idea of blessings today 
and even some of the challenges that come with it, open our hearts to receive what you want us to hear from you and use it to build your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, you can uh, open it up, or I think we're going to have it on a screen, but we're looking at Genesis chapter 21 as Matt read some of it. And let me read again from the ver- beginning, but this is pretty epic. Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant. And, and we hear Abraham, when we read, right, he's 100. You got to know, it's not that he married a young woman. She's 90, okay? But Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him. They just wanting to make sure we know, right? This baby came from this woman, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. And just a side note, this is actually the first circumcision of a newborn. This is significant. It's like the new family of faith. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne a son for him in his old age. So if you've been tracking with us from the beginning of the series back a couple of months that we started, you would think this is endgame here, right? Like we've hit the end. We've hit what we were moving towards. Like all this drama, all of these wars, all of these crises of faith. Yo, we get to find like the fulfillment now. In the midst of all this weirdness that happened, look, God's good. It's the fulfillment of all that Sarah and Abraham have really in some ways been struggling with for 25 years. Some of you have been waiting on God to work and it's been like six months and you are tired, you're weary. Yo, our boy Abraham and his wife, that 25 years they've been waiting on God, but it's fulfilled now. This is amazing. And, and we see here different reminders, just in case it's not clear for us, just in case we're thinking like, oh, they had some incredible like medical miracle or something weird that um, we see indicators, indicators here to remind us how this happened. As he had said, What he had promised at the appointed time God had told him as God had commanded him. Over and over here, we're given reminders. This is God actually fulfilling what he said would happen. It probably happened a lot longer than what Abraham and Sarah were thinking, but it's reminding us that God always does what he says he will do. God is faithful He's true to his word. And some of you got trust issues because you've been around shady people a lot. It's hard to trust people. People are not of their word. That's not God. And we have to be careful. We don't read into God, even if it takes longer than what we think it would, that God is always true to his word. And this is, there's no doubt here. This baby is from God. I mean, he used Abraham and Sarah. And again, I don't get how all that worked because they 190, but this happened because of God. And, and we saw in previous chapters, right, that even when God told them this was going to happen, they laughed. They had different laughters. But I'm guessing it wasn't a, oh, God, you're so funny. It was a funny joke, God. Like that kind of laugh. Like, you, you crazy, God. Like that kind of laugh. Um, because it probably wasn't good laughter. It, it's like a bad joke. But now God has flipped that script because Isaac, his very name means he laughs. Like they're able to laugh now 
with sheer joy because of this unexpected blessing from God that should have been expected, but they were probably doubting. At this point, they probably just gave up. But now they're walking around with this baby, like having to do all that newborn stuff. They're like, I am like decades way too old for this. But I mean, they're still laughing because it's like, it's like ridiculous, but it's joyful. So we sit here, right? This should have been like the last chapter in our series. It should have been wrapping up. Look how God is faithful when we're unfaithful. When you telling your wife to pretend to be your sister and you all crazy and dumb and you lack faith, look how God comes through. And it should have been the last passage and we wrap up the series. You've had all these dramatic challenges, but now, yo, you got your happy Disney ending, right? You get your cool Disney song, everyone happy, dancing around, because you got fat baby. You got these two elderly folks holding this baby. Is that your great-grandchild? No, it's our child. Why are you, you know, like we're, but everyone's laughing because it's just wonderful. This 100-year-old man, this 90-year-old woman holding this cute, fat baby. I love cute, fat babies. They holding their cute, fat baby. This is endgame, right? This is the culmination of all that God was trying to prepare him for. God has given the fruit of their blessings, and all is good in the world. But here's the thing. We need to hold up. The story's not done. The blessings indeed come. But it definitely will not make life easy for Abraham, for Sarah. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. The child grew and was weaned. And, and in that culture, that meant that Isaac was probably around three years old. And Abraham held a great feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the one mocking, the one Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham. And we're talking about Ishmael here, who was the son of Uh, the, the slave woman, Hagar. So she said to Abraham, drive out this slave with her son for the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. So Ishmael at this point is probably around 15 or 16 years old if we're doing the math. And again, we don't know exactly why, but it seems like he's laughing, but not like a mirthful kind of, I celebrate little fat baby. I, uh, it's like making fun of him maybe. And, you know, for whatever, mama bear coming out of Sarah's, like, oh, no, 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 no. He's not sharing in my son's blessings. He's not sharing in the promised one's blessings. Abraham, you need to take care of this. Verse 11, this was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. And the translation we have here, very distressing, that's actually a little weak. Because if you look at what the original intent is, it, it means Abraham was mad. He was mad. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her because your offspring will be traced through Isaac and I will also make a nation of the slave son because he is your offspring. And just for a moment, I want to pause here because um, it, it can be a little confusing. You're thinking God seems to be condoning what Sarah's done here because she doesn't seem to be a good person here. Is God condoning? Uh, I think we can agree that what Sarah did here was not good. But at the same time, I mean, you can do study on your own. You can go to places like Galatians 4. And the Apostle Paul actually uses the story of Ishmael and Isaac and their separation to describe the nature of the law and the gospel. And that you can't have those things coexisting. So it seems to almost... Um, echo this idea that this was part of God's plan. 
And if we don't understand that, it can seem really kind of harsh. Like this poor woman and her kid, God is just condoning abusive behavior. But keep that in mind that there are purposes for this in, in larger legacy. So in verse 14, it says, Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bow shot away. For she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. So if you've been following from the beginning or maybe you know your Bible, you would say, this sounds kind of familiar because this is similar in a way. There's a lot of parallel structures, right? Genesis 16, we heard the reminder of the story the first time when Abraham and Sarah, they, they decided, okay, we're supposed to have a kid. It's, it's not going to happen with us. So they decided to try to have a, a child through Sarai's servant, her slave, Hagar. And then if you remember, Sarah got mad, right? There was some beefing going on in that home. It was not a peaceful place. So she ran away. And she was in very dire straits. So you should be getting kind of deja vu here. A lot of similar stories here. But one thing I, 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 I see that's a little different, though, in the original story, if you remember... Um, when Sarah brought it up to Abram, he said, you, you need to take care. This is your fault. Remember what he said? He's like, you do whatever you want, right? At that time, that was kind of a, a jerk move. You take care, whatever you want to do, Sarah. But, but this time, Abram, Abraham, he's distressed. Like his heart's changed. There's something different going on. And we're going to hit on this more. But something is different in Abraham. But we also see it's a reminder that God's blessing, it doesn't mean an absence of adversity and conflict. In fact, our man Abraham, you could maybe say he's got a lot of drama precisely because of God's blessing. Like they didn't have this kind of drama until they had Isaac. And now people are making fun of each other. Mom's getting mad at each other, telling, like, it's because of the blessing of Isaac that Abraham got a whole set of problems. And the reason why I'm making, that might just sound like, well, duh. Some of us, we need to recognize that when God blesses you, it doesn't always make life easy. If anything, I, I remember once a friend of mine, this was like, this was a long time ago, but it stuck with me. She said, sometimes I realize life is so hard because I'm a Christian now. Because my eyes have been opened to things that I never saw before. Like things I never cared about. Now, like my heart can't sit still. And it's hard for me to sleep because I see things that I never even had to worry about. Now it's important to me. And, and that just stuck with me. It's such a reminder when God blesses, when he opens our eyes, when he does work, it doesn't always make life less complicated. Actually, it might mean you feel like more busy. It might feel you got to be more generous. It might feel like your capacity shrinks, like there's more expected of you. And just for you to know, that's not abnormal, guys. And you're not necessarily doing something wrong. In fact, if life is kind of feeling kind of hard, 
It might be because you're actually following the Lord in his will. You're trying to live your life a particular way. And I would suggest that's what's happening with our boy Abraham here. He's got the promised son now, Isaac, but it has made his life more complicated. And I think for Abraham, he's obviously got conflict in his home. He's having to navigate between these different family structures. But I think within Abraham, there's also a conflict within himself internally. Because it seems from what we have here that he loves his boy. It doesn't seem like he was just waiting for Isaac to come. He has lived with this child who came from his body, Ishmael, for 15 or 16 years now. He is close to him. We've seen multiple times through the scriptures where he's asked God, could not Ishmael be part of your blessing as well? Couldn't there be something from it? Because he loves his boy. He's a good dad. And he does not want to send him out out of the home. Like that's, he's angry about that. Maybe he's asking, why did this all get so complex? Because we had a good thing going here. Ishmael was my son. He was part of our family. And now he's got to leave. And I don't know what's going to happen to him. But all, the Lord also invites him on a journey of trusting him. That even though there is fear, even though there is anger, a whole rush of emotions, God tells him, I will provide for Ishmael. And even in Abraham's conflict, it's a way for God to be able to invite him to trust him more, that he will take care of Hagar. He will take care of Ishmael. And we see how in verse 17, God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. And, and, This makes a lot more sense when you recognize that for um, Ishmael, his name means God hears. God hears. Even the son who was not like the one of the promise, God hears him. And for some of you, maybe I'm going somewhere that makes no sense to you, but I think some of you will get what I say. I think we can interpret this as Ishmael crying out, but praying to God. Prayers that were so desperate, he had no words to say. He was just a teenage boy getting ready to die and all he could do was cry. But what does it hear? What does it say here? God heard the boy crying. God heard him. God knew him. And just a side thought, for some of you who are just going through the ringer and life is really hard, I don't know if you've ever been in that place where life is so hard, you don't even feel like praying. I know that sounds heretical to say in a church, but some of us, have you ever been there? Life is so hard, you don't even have the words to say. It's not articulate. All you can do is like wail. All you can do is bang the ground. You're angry, you're sad, you're mad, you're questioning why. You have nothing but the full gamut of your emotions. Sometimes it's not even out loud, but it's weeping within your heart. And you can even be in a space like this and have the smile on, but you know in your soul, you are just like mourning and weeping. And here's my hope for you, that God also hears you. When your prayers are not eloquent, where they're not beautifully stated, when no one would print them in a book, God hears. He heard Ishmael. 
And we see the response, get up, help the boy up and grasp his hand for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So again, it probably wasn't the way Abraham would have planned it out. But God was again true to his word. I will also take care of Ishmael. And just, I think for us, what we can pull from there as we look at Abraham in this, and obviously it's about Hagar and Ishmael too, but I think from Abraham, um, Abraham had to say no to some things that he probably really wanted to say yes to God's blessings. For him to fully receive God's blessings, he had to say no to this thing that he really wanted to keep. In Abraham's full preference, he would have loved it if Isaac joined the family, but Ishmael could also stay there too, and they could be harmonious. But for the sake of God's bigger plans for Abraham, he had to learn to say no to Ishmael and trust that God was good and trust that God would do what he said he would. I think just a real, uh, just real simple application from us some of the conflict that you are going to experience as you follow the Lord is when you're blessed is realizing um, you might have to say no to certain things to say yes to God. Some of the things and some of the ways that God might want to be blessing you, it might require you to wrestle and say, maybe there's some, some things God's asking me to let go of. Some things that I'm holding on to tightly, but God wants to actually give me more than what I think I want. And maybe that's future aspirations for some of you. Maybe for some of you, that's relational ties. Like you're holding on really tightly to certain relational things, but God wants to actually give you different. I'm not going to say better because we, we don't know that all the time, but God wants to give you something from him. Maybe for some of you, it's a certain way of life and God wants to actually bless you in certain ways, but you're holding on tightly to things because sometimes God's blessings, this is really countercultural. Sometimes the way God blesses you, it looks like you're losing some things like Abraham did with Ishmael. And I would be a real shady dude if, I, if I'm standing up here and say, oh, it's always going to feel good. Sometimes it might feel like surgery. Who enjoys surgery? No one I ever met. It's painful. There's scars. There's recovery time. There's anesthesia. There's all that weirdness. There's pain, but it's for the sake of giving you something better. I'm, I be, hear me carefully. I'm not saying God is abusive. I'm not saying God wants to give you pain, but I'm saying sometimes our response to what God might want to give us, it might mean saying no certain things to say yes to what God wants to give us. And I would just welcome you as you're sitting here. And again, so many different people here, right? But I feel that's probably applicable to all of us in different ways. What might God be calling you to say no to for the benefit of saying yes to his promises in your life? Because it's not always according to our plan. So Abraham, he's walking through all this stuff with Hagar and and Sarah and having to navigate between his boys. And hopefully Ishmael wasn't slapping around little Isaac. That would have been mean. We don't have that. So we're, but maybe he was just mocking him and it's just uncomfortable. Then we read this next portion here. And we didn't read this earlier. So let me, let me read this for us from starting from verse 22. At that time, Abimelech, accompanied by Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham. And I'll stop right there for a sec. If you were following last week, this is the same Abimelech, the king. 
And you're thinking, oh man, more drama. Oh man, because Abraham did Abimelech dirty last week. Abimelech, he must be coming with his dudes to like take care of business now. Like he's mad at Abraham. He's like, you did, you, who does something like this? And if you don't know what Abraham did, just go read it. Open source. It's, it's just epic. It's crazy, but it's epic. So you would think this is really bad, but look what it says. What does he say to Abraham? God is with you in everything you do. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Swear to me by God here and now that you will not break an agreement with me or with my children and descendants as I have been loyal to you, so you will be loyal to me and to the country where you are a resident alien. Abimelech recognizes that God is with Abraham. And Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well that Abimelech's servants had seized. And that just feels like a throwaway line there, right? That Abraham complained about some injustice that was being done. Like some of Abimelech's men had taken some of his wells. And, and I don't know why. I just sat on that for a while. I'm thinking, that's so unlike Abraham. Abraham was not like that before. Abraham was the schemer. Abraham, the one telling his wife, uh, yo, sister wife, you know, let's pull out that whole relational thing again and get all. He was always trying to like get by on others. He didn't trust people. He probably had fear of man. He was afraid of what people of power could do to him. He seemed to want to avoid conflict. He seemed to not be able to talk about hard things. He was always trying to find a way around. Not very courageous, maybe. But look at what he just did. He able to be able to tell the king, hey, your boy's not acting good. They stole my stuff. And just there's growth in Abraham's life. He's growing and maturing as a father of faith. And look how Abimelech replies. I don't know who did this thing. You didn't report anything to me, so I hadn't heard about it until today. Okay, maybe Abraham still got a little passive aggressive, and I don't know, but, but well, look what happened. Abraham took flocks and herds and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Abraham separated seven ewe lambs from the flock, and Abimelech said to Abraham, why have you separated these seven ewe lambs? He replied, you are to accept the seven ewe lambs from me so that these, this will act this act will serve as my witness that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba because it was there that the two of them swore an oath. After they had made a covenant at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, left and returned to the land of the Philistines. This is just like, I mean, you can just read this and think, okay, what's going This is like, this should have been a really potentially tense situation if you remember last week. These were not people who had a good history. But it's a pleasant surprise because we see demonstrated growth in Abraham. It's like God has a purpose in his life and he's even using what was crazy in last week's chapter and the relationship that didn't seem like there was much hope for it. Like that's the guy you have a beef, like someone who you loan money to and they didn't return it to you. Have anyone ever you had like that? Maybe not, right? And like you do your best to try to avoid each other. And when you see it, it's like tense, right? That's like how I think of Abimelech and Abraham. They should not have liked each other. But look at this now. They make entreaties. Abraham is able to share his heart. He's bold. He's generous. Like they are working together. Abraham's seeking the peace of this king and his land. 
Abraham just seems to be different in how he manages adversity than how he was. And I think we saw this even with the situation with Ishmael, where before, remember, what did he say to Sarah? Here, your slave is in your power, back in Genesis 16. Do whatever you want with her. Now Abraham is like angry because he wants the best for his son Ishmael. Abimelech, there was probably some awkwardness in that conflict. There was most likely having to face these things. Remember what Abimelech said about Abraham. Who does stuff like this? You're horrible. You're a man of God. But look at them now. They've had to work through some relational conflicts. Abraham has grown through conflict. I think we can suggest that his maturity in many ways, as God was growing him to be his father of faith, it was gained through relationships, even in conflict. And as Abraham has grown in that way, I would suggest for all of us here, that is also how we grow in maturity as we follow Christ, through relationships. Um, Hear me fully here because I don't want hate mail, right? Because maturity is not just about knowing right doctrine. It's not just about knowing all the right answers on a systematic theology exam. Again, keep following me. That's important. It's, It's really important. But what I'm saying is if you really want to see what one of us believes, if you really want to know what a Christian believes, look at their relationships, especially conflict. If you really want to know what we think about God and what it means for our life, look at your relationships, especially how you process conflict. Because I would suggest Christian maturity, just like we see with Abraham, it's learning to live in restored relationships. He had to make things up with Hagar. He had to make some stuff up with Abimelech. And I'm sure it was uncomfortable, but I also seems like he grew in maturity because of those things. And I would suggest for us, in the same way God is calling us to learn to live in restored relationships, and that's often going to take the role of learning how to process conflict together. Some of our greatest maturity is going to be coming from how do we learn to resolve conflict. So guys, village, let me just ask you guys, do a little self-reflection for yourself. What are some relationships that are hard for you right now? What are some relationships where you are experiencing some conflict? Whether it's your family, if you married and it's your spouse, please don't look over right now. Don't, don't do it. Don't, I know you want to, don't do it. Don't be the Holy Spirit, Okay. But maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe it's in church. Where are you experiencing hard, difficult relationships? Where do you experience conflict? And I would suggest for some of us, um, our background, our family backgrounds, maybe our experiences, that's part of the reason why it's so hard to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Maybe how we've learned to resolve conflict in family. I know for myself, growing up, we didn't resolve conflict. We just don't talk about it. Maybe it's a Korean thing. We just pretend like it's not there. Or someone yells a lot for about 10 minutes. And then we're done. We resolve conflict. Nothing was resolved. Like, that's the way we did it. And what I learned, whether it was overt or not, is if there's conflict, if people are angry, that's a really bad thing. So you want to do everything you can to avoid it. You don't get into it. You dare not bring it up. 
You don't ask questions. But what you know is it's always there. It follows you. And you bring it into other situations. Some of us, we got a lot of, con- like, you're like, oh, yeah, I grew up with, it was everyone was always conflict. You didn't learn how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. It's not that you did, everyone was good about bringing it up, but you didn't learn how to redeem and, and find a path forward. Maybe that's some of us. Maybe some of us, you learn to compensate. You're like, there's no way I can control these crazy people in my family, so I'm just going to excel in what I do. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to make things so good in life that no one can have conflict with me. I'm going to create the perfect scenario. I'm going to work. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to make money so that I can resolve any, remove any potential conflict situations. Whatever it might be for us, the one thing I'm saying, though, is if you're human, you will have conflict in your relationships. And part of the reason that we're not growing maturity is we're not actually having ways to be able to handle that and deal with it and do something good with it. But here's the good news those, there's a, I think there's a really good chance that those relational spaces and places, especially if you're struggling, that might be a really good place where God wants to meet you. I'm not saying he's not going to meet you in that Bible study. He absolutely will. But sometimes he meets us in the places that are really uncomfortable, the places we don't know how to resolve by ourselves, the places where there's not really simplistic answers, but you just got to get down in the mud with people. You got to learn how to forgive. You got to learn how to receive forgiveness. You got to learn how to resolve uh, deep anger. Maybe it requires therapy. Maybe it requires digging out trauma, but that's where maybe God wants to meet some of us. So here's just a practical word for the church. I think we can say honestly, when it comes to conflict resolution, sometimes the worst place that you see that done is the church, (laughs) right? Because there is this kind of idea, you should not be angry at people in the church. If you are, either they're doing something wrong or you are, and there's a good chance of that because we're all sinners, right? But here's what I notice happens. Sometimes because we think that resolving conflict is bad, the alternative is, well, we're just going to ignore it. Or we'll pray about it, but we're not really praying, right? Or we just kind of ignore it and leave. And here's my invitation for you, village. Um, The temptation is to just try to remove ourselves from conflict and relationships. But guys, what will grow you individually, but will also grow this community and maturity is we actually press into those things. We put words to our hurt. We graciously let people know of how they might have hurt us. We give opportunities to express our frustration, but also for others to express frustration with us. We pray for the grace to be able to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And guys, I will guarantee you, when you start to see things like happening, that's where real depth of spiritual maturity comes. And our doctrine then feeds our relational maturity. I think that's what happened to Abraham. We asked, well, why did he grow more mature? I think he just had to go through a lot of really bad relationships. It seems like our boy didn't know how to do relationships, but through some of the really hard times, it seems like God was forcing him to engage with some of his dysfunction. God was forcing him and sometimes having to see like how he really hurt people, saying, this is where you still need me, Abraham. I know you're the father of faith and all that, blessing, blessing, but you need to take care of some stuff here. And it seems like he's learning. Seems like he's learning. 
Because we see Abraham's response in verse 33. Abraham planted a Tamaris tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham lived as an alien in the land of the Philistines for many days. So I think there's some symbolism here. I mean, I think he actually planted this tree, but y'all need to know this was not a common thing. Some of you tree lovers, you always wanting to plant stuff in your backyard, that they did not do that back then, right? It was not the environment to plant stuff. But so when Abraham was planting this tree in this foreign land, this was a very significant act and it was reflecting rootedness. It's reflecting rootedness in the Lord. And I would suggest the part of the reason that Abraham was able to have growth in his relationships with others is because he learned about himself. But I think it's also, it stems out of his rudeness in the Lord. Through all these years and all these chapters we've been going through, 25 years worth, he's learned what does it mean to walk with God? Yeah, I didn't get a kid right away, but man, he sure learned a lot of God's presence in his life. The God who has been steadfast when Abraham was nothing but flaky. He had a lot of flaky, right? But who's been steadfast the whole time? The Lord. The God who promised over and over and reminded Abraham his promises, even when Abraham would continue to respond in fear, that God's promises didn't change. It was just waiting for the right time. And I would encourage for you guys here, look at some of the difficulty you have in your relationships. If you have any. If you don't have any, come teach me, please, because I got some. But if you've got conflict in any relationships, could it possibly be an invitation for you to find and seek deeper rootedness in your relationship with the Lord? Because for Abraham, I wouldn't be surprised. Why is he able to be so confident now and bold and yet humble and considerate and thinking of all these things? I think part of that, he's lived 25 years knowing that this God is for him. This God is for him even when he is a screw-up. And there's something about knowing how God is for you that allows you to do relationship better with other people. So let me ask you to stand with me. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up as we respond in a few moments. But we're going to come to the table and we're going to act out and live out some of what it means to be rooted in Christ. And, you know, I'm thinking about as we approach this Easter season, approach, you know, we pay a lot of attention, obviously, to the cross and the conquering of sin and death and the rising from the grave. And that's the linchpin of our faith. It's beautiful. But I also think about the wrestling that Christ was described as doing, even in the garden before he was arrested. Again, some of you might think Jesus was like a robot, like he came to earth and he had his mission, go to the cross, 30... I don't know. It seems like he wrestled. It seems like he had real conflict. And I don't think that means he didn't know what was going to happen. But it seems like he did some real wrestling, saying, is there another way, Father? There's got to be another way. Can this cup be taken away from me? Why have you forsaken me? Like a lot of wrestling, internal conflict. But we recognize that Jesus, in a beautiful way, there's a reason he's the Savior, because he went through even in the midst of his conflict and wrestling, he chose the hard path. And that's what we remember when we come to the table. The one who gave up his body to be torn apart on this torture device called a cross. The one who allowed his blood to be shed to allow us to be made right and forgiven and cleansed 
free of guilt and shame before the Lord through his sacrifice. And he invites us to do that. So the goal is not just so we can have better relationships with others, but I would say that just walks alongside of coming out of relationship with God. So I want to invite you during this time as we sing and pray, if you're a Christian, I would invite you to come up one of the middle aisles, get one of the elements, bring it back to your seat and wait. We'll take it together. But think about the sacrifice of Jesus who encountered conflict for the sake of our blessings, to give us more of himself. And we'll take that together. Let me pray for us. Lord, help us, God. God, we just scratched the surface. I, I'm guessing if, if, if my friends here are anything like me, sometimes the hardest thing in this journey is how much conflict there is with other people, whether stated or not. Lord, sometimes relationship with others is so hard. But Lord, you don't just leave us there to figure it out ourselves. You show us that the path to restored relationship with others is a restored relation with you. So God, thank you for inviting us to the table. And I pray that if we are one of yours, that we would come and be reminded of the great conflict that Jesus endured for the sake of our blessing. But Lord, I also want to put out for anyone, Lord, that maybe this is an invitation to receive the blessings of this Savior, Jesus, who gave it all so we could have it all. And today, Lord, would even be a step to confess that we need you. So help us, Lord. Thank you, God, that blessings don't mean life is always easy, but it definitely means life is worth it. And would we be reminded of that, that even in the pain and struggle, Lord, you want to bless us. So Holy Spirit, guide us in this time, God. We pray for healing work, open work. We pray for transparency in our hearts. Come honestly before you and even with others. Guide us at this time. So we're going to sing, pray. I would invite you to come receive the elements. Again, we're going to do communion together after the first song. So if you'd like to, you can receive one of the elements before then.
as we think about the story of Abraham, I'm just reminded, I mean, that's really all the scriptures. As Christians who talk so much about grace, we really don't believe grace in all that much. Like the grace of God is astounding. Because last week, you would have thought Abraham's done. He canceled, he screwed up. He's going to be a father of faith. And then look at God's love for him to continue to bless him. And I want to invite you as we come to the table now, maybe for some of you, your relationships are crushing you. The hardest thing in your life, maybe you've got conflict with people. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's someone in church. And it's just been hard and you're wondering, will I ever change? The table reminds us that God doesn't say he'll love us once we change. He says, come to me so that I can help you change. It's good news. It's grace. It's the God who is so for you. And that spirit, flip up the bread side up and peel off the top. Take out that wafer and be reminded of the broken body of our Savior. Take now with me. And as you flip the cup the other way, as we're approaching the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, as we remember Good Friday, remember the shed blood of Christ. Take it now. As we sing this final song, can I invite you to the Savior? Continue to cry out to him. And maybe you're like Ishmael. Maybe you don't have the words to say. Maybe it's just a cry of your heart or your words or your tears, whatever it needs to be. Let's cry out to the Lord together, crying out our need for the Savior. Temptation comes my way
give our benediction, our closing blessing. I just encourage some of you who have been disheartened that you're not changing fast enough. Maybe you're discouraged. You're frustrated. Just know God's not done with you. The Lord is not done with you. He's far more patient than you realize. He's for you. He loves you. He'll give you more grace. Even in the things that you feel you're not growing in, God looks at you and loves you. So lift up a hand to receive this benediction for today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Village Church, as you continue to bring your real stuff to this God who sees it all and says he loves you because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's our worship for today. Uh, Love you guys. Glad you're here. Uh, If you want to come to Next Steps, feel free to come over to your left. Uh, Again, reminder for those in Pathways, we're not meeting today. Sorry about that. Um, Have a great week, guys. Love you.